You're listening to Black Neon Digital Podcasts, Episode 4. Irene Marie Seelig, sustainable fashion tech entrepreneur with a holistic approach. Welcome to Black Neon Digital Podcasts, a series of thought-provoking conversations with the people behind businesses and brands that make a difference. I'm your host, Jodie Muta-Hamilton, and I'll be getting to know visionaries who are at the forefront of fashion tech and ethical style. I'll also be exploring our relationship with technology and the impact it has on craftsmanship within the fashion industry. I believe the future of fashion is to find a holistic approach that harnesses technology whilst keeping crafts alive, to push the boundaries of possibility and to support each other to create businesses that can provide growth without harm. I hope listening to our discussions inspire you to be the change, start the business you've dreamed of, discover new ways of thinking and connect with other like-minded people who are doing something in their own vision to make a difference. Come on the journey with me, keep listening, subscribe via iTunes and SoundCloud, join the conversation via Instagram at Black Neon Digital, Twitter at Digital Neon and our website blackneondigital.com. Today on Black Neon Digital, we're talking to Irene Marie Seelig, winner of the LCF Curring Award for Innovation 2016. She has produced the first shoe made from vegetarian mushroom leather, combined with a circular supply chain and business model. Irene, who believes in a holistic approach to sustainability, used the Amadou mushroom to create a textile which has a texture of suede and mink combined, yet is 100% biodegradable and renewable. Irene collaborated with Liz Chakalo to produce a pair of shoes, creating a commercially viable product. In today's podcast, we'll hear about Irene's journey to producing a sustainable luxury alternative to leather, her time at Stella McCartney, and what's next in her view to conquer. Welcome, Irene. Thanks for coming today. Can you give us a little bit of background about yourself and your career so far? Thank you for having me. Um, So my background uh, began in IT, so graphic design, web design, um, and then I moved uh, wanting to do something a little bit more creative. So I got into fashion um, and from fashion, um, I got involved in the e-commerce bit of things and the marketing side. So helping build out e-commerce within uh, small to medium sized businesses uh, in California. And then from there, uh, I always wanted to start my own uh, luxury or I wanted to start my own uh, sustainable lingerie line. And then from there, uh, I wanted to study at the London College of Fashion and work with the Center for Sustainable Fashion and uh, also grow my network in London and internationally. So I decided to pursue that. And I studied master, uh, my, the master's I studied was uh, fashion entrepreneurship and innovation. And I came across uh, this material about uh, four years ago now. And so I wanted to find a project to apply it to. And through the Center for Sustainable Fashion, they have a five-year partnership with the London College of Fashion with Caring. And uh, they put out this brief with Stella McCartney to uh, have, uh, you know, put out a brief to be able to pitch to them 
different sustainable uh, business ideas, business models, uh, textiles. So that's kind of where this journey began. Okay, thank you. Yeah. I love the quote you use on your website, innovation lies at the intersection of arts and sciences. The arts can be described as subjective, while sciences are objective. I like to think of this as the heart and mind. Do you feel that both are important factors in being open to new ideas and ways of working? Yeah, I think uh, having the creative brain and also having the more analytical side and um, really helps to come up with innovative solutions uh, because you have to have that creativity, but then also the science to back it and to bring it out into a, a space of reality. Um, and so I love that quote. It came from Steve's Jobs book. And uh, he also talks about how Einstein also kind of came at this intersection, and that's where he came up with so many innovative solutions and ideas and concepts. So, yeah. It, Would you also say that's been influenced by, like, your family, kind of? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can you just describe <laughs> a bit more about that for us? Yeah, so um, my background, uh, my uh, my mom came from buying and selling, um, and then my dad is a um, neurosurgeon. And so coming from that background and always being involved in healthcare and uh, seeing it from that side uh, gave me um, a different perspective in terms of taking care of your body um, and and kind of being at the forefront there and seeing, you know, what kind of medicines have influences on your body and, um, and then also where those medicines are coming from. So I also have studied herbology um, and have a bit of a background in that as well. Okay. So. Thank you. Yeah. The discovery of Amadou was a rather heartfelt, unusual one. Found right whilst researching for a natural immune-boosting alternative medicine for your mother to incorporate into her lung cancer treatment. Having had three members of my own family suffer from lung, throat and bowel cancer, I understand that you feel there must be something nature can do to provide support for their recovery. Did you find any holistic treatments that would benefit your mother's treatment? Um, and also, how did this particular journey lead to finding Amadou? Yeah, so, um, you know, all modern-day medicines also, they everything comes from nature. So looking, having the background in herbology, um, you see that your aspirin is actually coming from a plant. And that plant also has um, a different form of it that will, if you eat the whole plant, it coats the lining of your stomach. So, um, yeah, there's plants have a lot of uh, healing benefits to them. So when I came across this uh, situation with my mom, um, I was it was three weeks before I was supposed to leave uh, the first time to come to London for my master's program. And uh, we found out that she had a tumor in her lung. And so that and it wasn't benign, so she had lung cancer. So I thought, okay, what should I do? And I decided to stay and defer for a year. And so through that process, um, it was kind of a blessing in disguise for me because I got to learn a lot more about the body. Um, and when you're put in a situation like that and uh, – being also kind of a person coming from an entrepreneurial mindset, I always think there's a solution to any sort of problem. So we saw probably six to ten different doctors, you know, from Chinese medicine, you know, her oncologist. And, um, yeah, there's just a lot of different things that you can do. And being put in that situation, you kind of think, okay, what's the best 
solution? What's the best plan? And coming up with that plan um, was a lot of research. Mm -hmm. So uh, also before this, um, I was really into the natural food products as well and organic. So um, going to Whole Foods, I just thought I should just ask someone here and see, you know, if they have anyone come in to Whole Foods that you know, would have cancer and they're looking for the best um, alternative medicine um, adjunct therapy to their chemotherapy. So uh, I came across uh, one of the women in there and she was saying that, you know, this is a great uh, product. Uh, it's mushrooms. This um, man, Paul Stamets, he's a mycologist for 40 years. Um, he uh, helped cure his mom of stage four breast cancer at age believe around 80 in her early 80s so um yeah so I started saying okay what is this I really need to look into this a little bit deeper um before buying something and investing and thinking this can be a solution so I came across his TED Med talk uh, in 2011 and this is where he uh talks about his mother as well and she comes up on stage um and she uses it as an adjunct therapy turkey tail mushroom and uh, she was taking four pills in the morning and four pills at night. And she performed the best um, in her case study of 50 women. Uh, there was two women that performed really well, and she was in that yeah. top. Uh, so, yeah, so I came across that. And in that uh, TED Talk, uh, and he starts after doing more research on him, every single talk that he has, he talks about this mushroom yep, hat. He's, yeah, yeah, he's wearing this mushroom hat. And I'm looking at this mushroom hat and thinking, wow, that looks exactly like suede. This is a little weird. Like, what is this? Yeah. So he talks about the amadou. And the, the amadou, uh, the Latin name for the mushroom is Fomus fomitarius. And um, it actually helped our ancestors travel because you can carry fire for uh, two or three days in it. Um, and they also found Otis the Iceman, which is a... Uh, uh, ice man uh, yeah. in the Alps, and he was carrying a couple pieces of this yeah. uh, material as well uh, to use it as like a poultice. Um, so there's a lot of different ways mm. or, or different healing also benefits to this mushroom um, as like an adjunct therapy. So that's kind of how it came about it. Um, and then also had it starting uh, a jewelry company at the time because I was very excited to start uh, the fashion entrepreneurship mm -hmm. program. And uh, my boyfriend at the time, he uh, is a jeweler and he's a furniture designer. So I thought, okay, let's just start something <laughs> while we're here in San Diego and we have a yeah. year. So uh, chain is not the most sustainable thing, right. you know, and also uh, metals are becoming scarcer. So it's like, okay, is there another alternative to leather um, as a chain? So I started, I wanted to look deeper into this material. And then the Caring Award kind of was that gateway yeah. to be able to do so. So it started quite a long time ago and like yeah, various yeah. different projects. It's kind of not just... Yeah. found overnight sort of thing yeah, by yeah. any means um yeah. you've said that previously it's been used for centuries and mm -hmm. the the Iceman etc um however it's you that's been able to make it into a commercially viable product mm -hmm. what has been the challenges of turning this idea into a product and not just an idea yeah, so um, with any new material, it's about the testing, it's about the research, it's also about getting the right uh, team together. Um, so doing the Caring Award project, uh, it, we first pitched our ideas in November of 2015. 
Um, and then we were told who was selected the top 30 uh, in, I believe it was in early December. And then from January until June, uh, we presented our final piece in June. So for me, um, not only to win, but to kind of see, okay, how far can I take this mm. material? It was really about finding those people I could work with mm-hmm. uh, to collaborate with. Um, so because my background's in marketing IT, it's not around that, um, more around business development, so not so much material science. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I worked with the London College of Fashion and Central St. Martin's, and, uh, there's a wonderful woman, uh, who runs the materials lab and she connected me to a lot of, uh, people in industry here in London. Mm-hmm. So I was able to, uh, work with, a PhD student, uh, and she helped create the shoe f- with me. Um, and then also I was able to test the material and that wouldn't have happened, uh, without being connected to the London mm-hmm. college of fashion. So I was very fortunate. Uh, they granted me some vouchers uh, there. Uh, they have a, t- I think you have to have a membership for 10 or 12 years with uh, Satra, so it's a testing facility that tests okay. all materials. Uh, it, they specialize in footwear and leather. They're based here in the UK. Mm-hmm. They also have a site in China and the US. So I thought, okay, this would be perfect to test the raw material and then test what I've done to the material to really see, okay, where, how does this compare to leather? How does this compare to a shoe if it mm-hmm. were to become a shoe? Like, is it very wearable? And so, so sort of durability. Yeah, so looking at the durability. So, yeah, I looked at three different things, uh, which were the durability, the aesthetic, and the mm-hmm. scalability. So I mm-hmm. thought to bring this into market, you really have to look at those three things to mm-hmm. to see if, you know, people are going to buy it, if it's going to be able to become an actual actual product. How so. did it actually compare then to, to yeah. leather yeah. or, so, you know, man-made yeah. version of leather? Yeah, so... Um, with their tests, basically, they go from uh, medium or uh, light, medium to heavy use. Mm-hmm. And that's how I think they put everything on that mm. same scale. Uh, so from uh, when I've the raw material, it's um, light use. And then uh, what I've done to it, it changed it to a medium use. Okay. So that was uh, perfect, too, because I thought, okay, if we're going to do footwear, let's do an indoor-outdoor slipper. Mm-hmm. And then also uh, at that time in the spring, mules just started becoming mm. really big yeah. so that's kind of kicked off that trend um so we decided to do a mule so yeah. indoor outdoor so i think i've seen the um the like sort of pointed slipper type ones mm-hmm. but i've not seen the actual mule yet yeah yeah are they you've made those now and, and they're yeah. commercial are, they, uh, are they viable yet no, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> so you can't buy them yet uh these are all samples okay. um and what i wanted to do with the caring award is show them here's these samples this is what i've done to change mm-hmm. the material uh to be more durable uh, you can change the aesthetic. You can dye it. Um, you can foil it if you want. Um, and then here's this actual product, uh, you know, because pictures are worth a thousand words and we're visual creatures. So I thought, OK, I have to let's see if we can make a product out of this. Um, and can it be aesthetically pleasing? Can it can you use the imagination to be like, oh, wow, this can really be luxury. Mm-hmm. So that was the whole point of that. Yeah. That leads me on quite nicely to actually, you know, with winning the Curring Innovation Award, you received a cash injection. Mm-hmm. What did you specifically do with that? And and also, aside from the cash, did it give you some great contacts that you could kind of 
in you know input in your network and how did that help you to further your journey of the Amadou? Yeah, so uh, I was really grateful to win the award. Uh, one of the things that really did was uh, give me give the project, give the material credibility, uh, get the message out there. That's also kind of one of the things I wanted to do with this uh, project was to showcase here's this material coming from this mushroom, but there's so much more to this mushroom and Mm -hmm. give, you know, fashion I think has always um, been this artifact where you can learn more, you know, about something. It's kind of that uh, beautiful thing that you can look at, but then if you get close enough, you can look deeper Mm. and what else is there meaning behind this? Yeah. It's a really strong medium and you can kind of mix the messages. Exactly. And communicate other messages. So, uh, coming across the mushroom for healing benefits, uh, alternative medicines, I thought, okay, this could be great to kind of communicate that or for people to look deeper and do their own research into that. Um, but yeah, so the caring award really helped me to give a profile to this uh, material um, and also the project itself. And then uh, with the money, uh, I've been able to also meet Paul Stamets. Uh, I've been wanting to reach or get in touch with him for two years. (laughs) I reached out to him. uh, And luckily I had a friend who's in the natural food products world. And he said, you know, what would be your next step to take this further? Mm-hmm. I said, I have to meet him yeah. <laughs> to really see he, he has 40 years of experience mm-hmm. that I definitely don't have. Um, and he would know, is this really sustainable? Mm-hmm. Um, would it put pressure on the environment mm-hmm. or, cause how you do know. you even grow it? Yeah. 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 So, uh, so yeah. So I had all these questions for him and I was able to meet him, uh, in the, when we, this past holiday season, so mm-hmm. the fall, um, and it was it was great. I got to ask a ton of questions. I got to visit him in San Francisco, so okay. that was good. And then also uh, patenting it as well, because mm. I thought, is this really a patent idea? Um, you also, you know, as an entrepreneur, you don't want to share too much, but you do yeah. want to collaborate. Um, but then you also have to think about, and what I tell other entrepreneurs or people who wanting to start at their own business is, you know, there's only one person that can really do this yeah. project and your vision. Yeah. Uh, no one has your vision and your mission. Um, even if it's a similar concept, you're the one yeah, that can really put one. it through. Yeah. So I thought, you know, did I really have to do, uh, <laughs> do a patent? Is that worth it? Um, and yeah, he said it would be a good idea kind of just to put your stake in the sand mm. and be like, okay, I'm here. This is what I'm doing. And to put more validity behind it. So do you know if there are any other applications out there for it or as in yeah, so, um, yeah, so there are other businesses that are looking at and startups mm-hmm. uh, that are looking at mycelium. So yeah. it's the root system of mushrooms okay. and looking at it for uh, alternatives for leather. So uh, there's a company called Microworks that are in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a few others looking at building material like Ecovative uh, mycelium because it's a strong structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this mushroom particularly, it's the fruiting body that's providing this natural fiber. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Point that we raised sort of earlier on was about you've had a lot of support from the LCF team. Um, And it seems to me that textile innovation in the UK seems really strong. Why do you think this is? And have you found that there's been a great support network for sort of scientific tech and fashion research all combined together to give some great innovation. Yeah, I think uh, London is definitely a hub for that. Uh, 
obviously fashion, um, but then moving forward and progressing uh, the fashion industry is really going to take tech uh, to bring it forward and then bring in sustainability. So I think there's definitely a lot of support when I met with uh, the London College of Fashion's uh, materials librarian. She had a loads of contacts. There's a lot of uh, innovators, too, that want to uh, collaborate. Uh, other colleges as well, you know, having UCL and uh, King's College. Uh, so there's a lot of people working on different um, applications, robotics, AI, a lot of things, um, and then with textile as well. So it was it was quite nice to be here to really innovate it here uh, because of all the different resources and a lot of people who are pushing textile forward yeah. and yeah, the innovation. Do, do you think if you weren't a student of LCF, mm-hmm. you'd be able to have access to that? Or do you think it's like more of a closed network for people who are actually studying within the universities? Um, well, I was introduced to it because of uh, studying at yeah. LCF. Uh, but I also know that the fashion industry and sustainability specifically, sustainability and tech, it's a very closed uh uh, tight network. Mm-hmm. So if you meet one person, you know, there's other people who want to help each yeah. other out, you know. So I think it's just about, uh, you know, going going to those meetups and, and knocking yeah. on the doors because, you know, there is going to need to have a lot of innovation mm-hmm. in the fashion industry. There's not one solution to making it more of a sustainable uh, supply chain. So, yeah, I think it's like once you kind of tap into those networks, mm-hmm. uh, you really get introduced to so many people um, and, and people go to similar events as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I during my studies, I also worked at the Center for uh, Fashion Enterprise. Mm-hmm. And there I was helping build out their fashion um, and tech program and also doing marketing um, communications. And I helped uh, support the communications officer in building out their meetups uh, for fashion Mm. tech. So we'd pick a theme. Um, But it was very interesting because I would reach out to different people, you know, not associated with the London College of Fashion. And they're all really looking to collaborate and are open to share. So. Yeah, so that's a good place to be. That's good news for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another another thing is you've had a role as a sustainability officer at Stella McCartney. Mm-hmm. How did winning the Curring Award lead to this or did it? And how has that kind of influenced what you're doing now? Yeah, so um, kind of how it came about was once I was done with the Caring Award um, and I got to know the sustainability, uh, the head of uh, sustainability and ethics there, uh, Claire Burkamp. And so I reached out to her and I said, uh, you know, I would love to have a if there's any opportunities here, uh, please let me know. Um, and because my background is in marketing and communications, I studied communications in my undergrad. And uh, she had been needing someone to kind of help with the uh, marketing aspect of sustainability and some campaigns were coming up. So it was, it was quite nice to get that experience. So I was in a contract with them uh, to help them with a few campaigns. And it's great because uh, you really get to see that a lot of customers um, and retailers are getting more excited about sustainability, really asking a lot of questions, uh, getting inquisitive about it and really trying to see, okay, you know, 
what's going on with the fashion industry? Where is this being made? Or, you know, how how does this one material compare to this material? So it's quite nice to see it from that perspective to really see that it is it is progressing, even just coming into my master's in mm-hmm. 2015 till now. I feel like there's been a huge shift yeah. uh, in consumer behavior and uh, starting to question what they're wearing. So do you think good... that it's something... Um like a trend that will come and go or do you think it's here here for a while I, I think it's I think it's definitely yeah. here uh for a while because if you think about the food industry um people thought oh is this going to be a trend for organics mm. uh or farm to table and it's really stayed and um, kind of like what we were talking about earlier it's uh I think once you kind of look inward and care for your body and you see that the food that you're eating is having a direct effect on your health yeah. Uh, you can then start looking outward and saying, okay, now what am I wearing and how does that affect me? Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, our skin is uh, very absorbent. So you have to think, okay, what is my skin absorbing from this material that I'm wearing all day or sweating in? Um, and then from there you can look outward even further um, and helping the environment. So I think it's that natural process, and I think that's what we're going through right now is, you know, we started with organic food and, now we're kind of going out from there. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, so it seems that Stella McCartney has been pretty instrumental in, you know, influencing Kering's uh, EPNL and things mm-hmm. like that from a business sense. So from my point of view, I feel if we can intrinsically build in sustainability into a business goal, mm-hmm. it's more likely to be achieved. Yeah. Um, so have you what's been your experience in building your own business with Amadou and and that and also perhaps seen it from the side of Stella McCartney influencing curring or you know like business the business element yeah so um you kind of it was interesting because I also studied uh their EPNL uh during uh, my time at the London College of Fashion and uh, kind of looking at, okay, the full supply chain. And when I first got into sustainability and fashion, you know, I didn't think about it as deep as that. And so I think the EPNL kind of helps you think about it even deeper and going all the way back to the root causes. And uh, if you study the EPNL, you see that a lot of the root uh, causes to not having a sustainable supply chain um, and where the biggest impact is is with the raw materials. Mm-hmm. So uh, starting from the very beginning, um, which is actually the furthest point for the customer. So the customer only sees in-store uh, point of purchase, um, but then you have to think, okay, well, this product is actually coming from somewhere in nature, um, but it's so far from the customer mm-hmm. or coming from, you know, Can't if you're, yeah, it it's, yeah, it's hard to connect and see that. So I think that's the most important part is to kind of start from there, start mm-hmm. from uh, where, where's your materials coming from? Where are you sourcing? And make that visible to the customer. Yeah. Yeah. Make that visible yeah. to the customer. So Sol McCartney did a project with uh, Viscos to route the entire supply chain. And it's quite difficult to do that, you know, take it from mm-hmm. the tree and then the pulping process yeah. and then putting that into a fiber and then into a garment. So, so how do you actually track that fiber? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think that's... I think that's what uh, is most important is like how how can you track that? Uh, who can you work with uh, your different suppliers, um, working with different NGOs as well mm. uh, to make sure that everything where it's coming from um, is sustainable. 
So, yeah, I think and it influenced uh, my business because thinking, you know, where the root cause, you know, looking at leather and how leather can, it was once a uh, circular, you know, uh, supply chain to be able to get that material. But because we've put such a demand Mm -hmm. and and such a need for that material to be implemented in so many different products, um, and then now also thinking about throwaway fashion, um, that product used to, that material used to be like a lifetime material. Oh, and then you passed it down to your kids. Mm -hmm. So I think they're also, you know, with the shift in sustainability and fashion, and uh, I think there's going to have to be a lot of collaboration between uh, businesses and also their consumer and seeing, you know, where where's the consumer's mindset? Do they want to keep this forever? Maybe they don't. Mm-hmm. So maybe you make an alternative to leather that maybe doesn't have to last forever yeah, and it can't be biodegrades. Bio- yeah, yeah, and it biodegrades. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's going to be it's a kind lot of about knowing, that. knowing the right material for the right product as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and not thinking everything has to last forever, perhaps. Because, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. Um, could you tell us a bit about the plug and play for fashion, fashion for good accelerator? Yeah, so I was invited to uh, pitch uh, at this uh, fashion for good uh, launch event, and there I was pitching to be part of this accelerator. Uh, plug and play uh, is in collaboration with the CNA Foundation. So plug and play uh, is a VC based in Silicon Valley, and they're. Uh, First, or who they've invested in early stage was uh, PayPal and Dropbox, and now they're looking at fashion and sustainability, which is great, and how they can help startups uh, launch launch their businesses. So working with the CNA Foundation, and then Karen came on as well. So uh, yeah, I pitched there, and I was accepted uh, to be a part of their um, accelerator for their first batch. So Has that begun already? Or? Yeah, so that's uh, that's begun, and um, I'll be having my uh, boyfriend. He's going to be taking that over for me while mm-hmm. um, I carry on with another career path that I'm doing. Um, but, yeah, so it's exciting to kind of see. Uh, I feel like this material, the Amadou mushroom leather, is taking me on a journey mm. um, because I didn't know how far I was going to go. Yeah. When I first applied to the Caring Award, I thought, okay, they're either going to think I'm crazy or this yeah. is a good idea. Because <laughs> <laughs> Mushroom was not in the media yeah. very much. No, and now it is, which is great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the Accelerator program will be an exciting uh, time to really see how much further it can go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really would like to work with uh, Cradle to Cradle, uh, mm-hmm. get a life cycle assessment, yeah. um, and also... Uh, work with their material scientists because I'm not a material scientist mm-hmm. um, but to work with them to really see okay how can we keep this material biodegradable mm. um, can we get it to a heavy use um, so yeah getting a life cycle assessment and cert- certification as well what kind of cost does it to do something like that you know like ballpark C2C. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, for like three six months uh, to be able to test it uh, get a life cycle assessment get certification all that ballpark around 20k okay. um, so 
but don't quote me. <laughs> Let's <laughs> see like, at the end of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll yeah. see. Um, but yeah, there's definitely uh, investment that has to happen mm-hmm. for R&D. Um, and that's something that uh, plug and play yeah, would like to support, find too. Yeah. yeah, can support. So they have a lot of mentoring sessions, VC uh, sessions, angel investment um, as well. So it would be, and then also on legal, you know, contracts are mm-hmm. very important too mm. at this early stage. Um, so. Yeah. Are they going to take any sort of share capital from you, or <laughs> not? You might not be able to discuss that, but you yeah. know, obviously, when you're trying to pitch for funding things, that's one of the things you can give over, isn't it? If you haven't got yeah. any money yourself, so yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, I'm not quite sure. Uh, it kind of depends on the deal, um, but yeah, that's definitely an option. Yeah, um, or you know, I also am still, even though part of the accelerator program, I think it it's still good to look for grants. Mm -hmm. Um, so because sustainability is such a needed thing in all industries, um, I'm looking at grants too, as well to see, okay, is there another option in this R and D stage to be able to fund this, um, before I think it's completely 100% viable Mm -hmm. to get it out there. Um, and you know, also I think doing capsule collections as well with other brands. Like retailers. Yeah, yeah, other retailers who are interested. So I've been in communication with other retailers Mm -hmm. who, you know, wanted to get this into their product line Mm -hmm. yesterday. Um, And I said, okay, that's not possible, but (laughs) we can work on it together. So I think it's about finding who's the best uh, partner to work with and then moving it forward from there. Yeah. What's your long-term vision for Amadou and also yourself? Say in like ten years, where would you, where would you like <laughs> to see question, yourself? No. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would love to. I mean, I would love to see Amadou really get out there and be a material that's um, on the shelves that people can buy. Uh, it's one of the most exciting parts of working with this material and then with the caring award was just seeing the feedback from mm-hmm. people and how excited they got and how, uh, even though it's mushroom and you think, okay, like, what is this? Or how is this really going to be? How's this going to feel? But people, oh, it's been very well received. Mm. Um, because I was working, I was thinking, oh, is there going to be a communication barrier here? Mm. Are people going to think, oh, fungus? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it's been very well received. That was very exciting to see how much, how much people were gravitating towards it. Especially, I wish uh, we could have a feel sensor on yeah. the podcast. But I was going to say, when you actually <laughs> see you it and feel touch it, it, it just feels like swaying. It's beautiful yeah. and soft. And yeah. exactly. So yeah. I would love to see it out there. Um, and then also, um, I have a new role that I'll be working in, in innovation development with Swarovski. And so I am excited to be a part of that team, yeah. be in innovation, um, because I think I'm a real problem solver. I love, mm-hmm. you know, if there's an issue, I'd like to, okay, there has to be a solution. Yeah. Um, I don't take no for an answer very easily. <laughs> <laughs> and then just excited to collaborate and work um, in teams and yeah, in, in coming up with new solutions uh, for having us more sustainable, uh, different industries, mm-hmm. uh, supply chains. So, fantastic. Yeah. 
Thank you so much yeah. for talking to us today. Yeah. Um, Thank you for I having wish, me. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you all your success um, in your future roles and off to Swarovski. Yeah. Um, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Irene Marie Seelig is a woman on a mission to use nature to connect with what's around her for the benefit of others, the planet and of course fashion. I'm looking forward to keeping up with Irene on her journey and although she's already achieved so much, this is only the beginning for her. Coming up in our next podcast, we meet Zaki Sheriff, artist, designer and transformational coach. In a beautifully honest and open discussion, we hear how her influences and intuition have shaped her journey, both personally and in the world of fashion. We'll also find out about her recent collaboration with ethical jewellery brand, Made. Till next time, keep up to date via social media, Instagram at Black Neon Digital, Twitter at Digital Neon, and subscribe to our newsletter via blackneondigital.com and of course, our podcasts via iTunes and SoundCloud. Music